Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Billy Epler is the Mets general manager. Turns out as the Mets search for a new head of baseball operations these last seven weeks, their perfect candidate all along was going to be a mix of scouting ability, analytical mindset, and Comfort with a big market. Boom. And Billy, on the street, as it were, that was that perfect candidate. They vetted, they interviewed, they hired. And we go one-on-one coming up after the song. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's... Josh Lewin, a Well, right around the time the Mets were peak chaos. No, not this year. I mean the mid-70s when they traded Tom Seaver. Uh, two of the big songs involved the name Billy. Billy, Don't Be a Hero and Don't Rock the Boat, Billy. These are two good theme songs now because the Mets do have good people in place. This newest Billy doesn't need to clean house or do a radical makeover, but he does need to, uh, oh... Hire a manager and sign some players. Josh Lewin with you. Two and a half hours after single game tickets went on sale Friday, the Mets introduced Billy Epler as their 16th ever general manager. We're going to have our own private conversation with him shortly, and we'll talk about next steps and the fact that Noah Syndergaard took his QO and went to the OC. But first, who or what is an Epler other than someone who Epples? Oh, we could have fun with that one. The big Epple. Comes back to the Big Apple. Much as I'd love to do just a whole podcast on tortured wordplay. Here is the skinny on this 46-year-old former Yankee scout, the former UConn pitcher, former Angels GM. He was born in San Diego the same day as the Mets rallied to beat Montreal at Shea. September 16, 1975, 13th win of the year for Kuzman. Mike Vail driving home the winner, extending his hitting streak to a rookie record 23 games in a row. Anyway... Billy Epler comes to the Mets from William Morris Endeavor, a relatively new talent agency that was trying to make some inroads into the baseball market. But unlike former Mets GM Brody Von Wagenen, Billy Epler is not some lifetime agent. He uh, spent most of his career in front offices, most prominently as Angels GM 2015 to 2020. He was a Yankee scout and executive before that. In Anaheim, he was best known for the prominent contracts he negotiated. He lured Shohei Otani to the Angels and able to obviously get him re-racked and going. And Mike Trout was re-signed to a record 12-year extension. Anthony Rendon, seven-year, $245 million free agent deal. But fair play, uh, he also signed a pile of veterans to smaller deals that did not work out for the Angels, who finished in fourth place in four of his five seasons there. The Angels did dismiss Billy Epler after 2020. We'll get into that with Billy later on the podcast. He takes the job officially on November 18th, and wow, two weeks later, there's going to maybe be a lockout. Awesome. That potential December 2 date could actually work in the Mets' favor. Billy Epler can use the down period of a lockout to kind of learn the ins and outs of the organization. 
who's where, what they need to do and tweak. It's a four-year deal that he gets, and you, you have to like that because since Sandy Alderson's relatively stable first tenure paused with, with that leave of absence in June of 18, since then, this head of baseball ops gig has cycled through the trio of John Ricco, Omar Minaya, and J.P. Ricciardi. Then you had Brody, then you had Sandy, you had Jared Porter, you had Scott, and then Alderson again. The carousel has stopped spinning now with the San Diego native William Epler. Before we get to talk to him, here's what Sandy Alderson told the media Friday afternoon. My real pleasure to uh, announce uh, that uh, Billy Epler is the new general manager of the New York Mets. Uh, Billy has over 20 years of experience in the game. A variety of positions, including assistant general manager, general manager, uh, <clears throat> tremendous and lengthy experience uh, in the New York market. Uh, he understands the challenges uh, that New York represents in terms of its fans who are knowledgeable and passionate and demanding, uh, as well as, uh, you know, the big stage. So we're very happy that uh, Billy is going to be with us. He's uh, well-respected in the organization, in the uh, industry, um, well-known within the organization, and uh, we're extremely happy to have him. So then Billy stepped up, met the media, did very well with that, and then he met Mets in the Morning. Here is our one-on-one from Friday afternoon. Enjoy. Billy Epler is indeed kind enough to join us. I want to ask you, first of all, Billy, about the process. So when was the, the first time that you talked with Sandy Alderson in this process? Or was it Steve Cohen first? And how exactly did that work? You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I, I heard from Sandy, you know, even, even a year ago, but not for this, not for this specific role, um, just, just in general. He was, you know, curious what I was thinking about doing. Um, and so we talked about, you know, the possibility, um, you know, even, even a year ago, but when it became specific to, to this, to this role, a number of weeks ago, um, you know, I heard from, from Sandy and, uh, you know, he talked a little bit about, you know, possibly sitting down, um, for it. And I, you know, I, I said that, you know, I didn't really know. And then I wanted to kind of learn more, um, before, before committing. And, uh, you know, I just, just ironically or circumstantial, uh, enough, um, Steve, um, Steve was in, uh, Los Angeles and, uh, I had was, you know, I'm close to Los Angeles. I was, I was working up there for that day. Um, and so, uh, I went over to his house, um, and, and had lunch with him, but, you know, it was more of a of a lunch. It wasn't an interview. Um, it was more of a get to know you um, type lunch. And you know, he talked to me about you know his approach, um, and he talked to me about things I had kind of learned and seen over the years, and and what I thought was uh, you know things that I um, thought had high value and things that I didn't think there was a ton of value in. So we had this really good baseball kind of conversation. Um, you know, and at the end of it, uh, we just kind of, we just kind of wrapped up and, uh, you know, he's, uh, he said he enjoyed the lunch and I said, yeah, you know, me, me too. And just kind of went on my way. And then, um, about a number of weeks later, um, I get a call from Sandy and he goes, hey, you want to formally sit down on this? Cause we do. And I said, uh, I said, uh, you know, give me the, give me the details. And so, uh, I jumped on a, I jumped on a flight a few days later and, um, went out to, uh, went out to Connecticut and, and met with Steve and, and Sandy and, 
um, you know, uh, and, you know, the next day uh, they called and offered me the job. I love it. And, and as you know, this job, it's a biggie both in scope and responsibility and I think vulnerability, right? This is not yeah. a job for the faint of heart. So I guess the question is, how's your heart? <laughs> as far as I know, it's good. Uh, you know, so uh, I try to uh, try to try to make sure I get a little physical activity in uh, quite regularly and uh, drink a ton of water. <laughs> Billy, how would you describe your time in Anaheim? How, how did it end and, and why did it end? And what did you learn from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I learned I learned a lot, um, you know, over there at the time. And, you know, my, my, my mentor, Brian Cashman, you know, would always talk about, you know, leaving um, the organization kind of better than you found it. Um, and so in my in my time, we didn't, you know, double down on 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 some of the contracts um, that were existing on the on the major. League. So we could remain and uh, that if opportunities popped up, um, we could we could move on them. Uh, stayed active in the trade market, um, you know, but ultimately, um, you know, a lot of those, those, those shorter term um, and lower AAV deals, they didn't work out. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing that I take away from that experience was, you know, just how important or it reinforced um, how important organizational depth was. Uh, we're seeing, a, you know, just a higher rate of, of, of attrition um, at the, at the major league level, um, you know, higher number of IL placements, a little bit longer on the IL. Um, and, and it really tests you because you're probably going to use 50 players um, or, or a little bit more um, over the course of a season. And so um, when, you know, when we were in the circumstances that we were in, um, we didn't have the depth to absorb that. And so our, our margin for error was, was very, very thin. Um, and uh, it exposed us a couple of times. What are you looking for in general, Billy, uh, in a manager? Experience, leader of men, young up-and-comer? Have you narrowed your focus at all at this point? I haven't yet. Um, I have an, my, my own idea, but I really, really want to connect with um, you know, our, uh, our senior baseball group um, and, and hear their opinion on that, um, as well as you know, reconnect with, with Sandy and Steve on it. Um, and, uh, and then at that moment in time, you know, kind of establish a criteria. And then once we establish that criteria, we can, you know, I, I, I've got a decent enough network where I can kind of start matching people um, that maybe fit that criteria. And then, uh, and then we can start conducting some, some uh, you know, first round of interviews. Um, and so that's like the process that I'm, I'm looking to, uh, to institute and uh, looking forward to getting the feedback from, from the group on how, uh, how they see the criteria, um, you know, whether it's, in-game decision-making? Is it probabilistic thinking? Is it connectivity with the fans and media? Is it, um, and these aren't either ors, right? So these are just, these are all the characteristics. It's just, how do you, how do you weight them? Um, and so, uh, so, you know, that's what I'm um, looking to peel back on uh, starting later this afternoon. Similar collaborative spirit as you look at roster construction, or do you have your own ideas now about, okay, I need this guy? Um, no, it's very similar. Um, you know, one thing that I preach and, and, and drive and, um, from even, even leading a department and, um, you know, with the Yankees, uh, to leading an organization with the angels, um, is, you know, collaboration, um, and, uh, and creating this like environment of, of psychological safety for people so that they, um, feel that they can dissent and disagree, 
um, without any kind of risk behind that. Um, and so um, I like to pool um, a lot of different opinions um, and uh, you know, those department heads um, and then that inner inner core group, um, you know, they're going to get uh, a lot of opportunity to, to, to provide guidance, provide um, and provide insight. Um, you know, as far as a, a roster is concerned, um, a major league roster, I do really value diversification. Um, I, I, I don't want to be in a situation where everybody that's, um, that's complimenting, that's maybe not in the, in the starting, starting nine, um, is all too similar. So I, I do value a little bit of diversification, um, so that if we need, um, uh, if, if we're faced with a, a game circumstance where, where a home run, um, really matters, um, and, and is very critical at that moment in time that, that, that the manager can call on that. Um, because if we don't have that, then, then we haven't served them. Um, we haven't served them well. And, uh, and conversely, you could be in a situation where we're holding a three run lead late. Um, and we might have a better defensive option on the bench. Um, and we want to be able to call on that. So the diversification of the roster is something that I feel very strongly about. Um, but the, but the candidates, um, and who, uh, you know, uh, what makes up the composition of that? I, I, I really want to, um, uh, understand from the group okay. from San Diego, go on out to, to Yukon. That is, uh, that's a big trip. So what, what got you to make that trip? You know, I, um, uh, a couple, a couple of things. So, so one of my, you know, is talk about establishing criteria. You know, one of my, my criteria, uh, for the college I was going to choose was going to be, you know, a big athletic department, um, because you know, you're going to play baseball. Um, it's not, you know, exactly like a major revenue generator, especially, you know, at, at a school up, up there. Um, and so, but if you had a good athletic department, it meant, you know, good facilities. Um, and so that, that was, that was one of the criteria. And another one was growing up in Southern California, a lot of the colleges, um, you know, just, just by way of the environment are, uh, major cities. And so, I wanted to go somewhere that actually offered a, 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 a real tight knit sense of community. Um, so I was looking kind of out, um, maybe away from, um, uh, you know, get kind of away from the, the, the metropolis uh, type and type environment. And so, you know, Connecticut checked a lot of boxes on that. And, uh, and somewhere, somewhere inside of me is this like, um, is this, this comfort, I guess this, this like interest in making myself a little uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it, um, I think it like, uh, gives you this, this electricity, uh, that kind of runs through you and, and, and put yourself in a situation that makes you a little bit un- uncomfortable because you might really learn and grow from it. Um, and, uh, and I did, um, in, in Connecticut, I think, you know, just a small little example that, you know, first time the, the windows, the, the, you know, there's ice on the, um, the windshield of, uh, of my car, you know, I fill up a bucket of hot water and go dump it on the windshield. Um, you know, like just learning and growing, right. Putting yourself in a certain, in a, in a situation that, uh, is unfamiliar and, uh, and you really do grow. Does that come from your family too? I know you're the youngest of four. I'm interested about your siblings, about your parents, just about the, the upbringing that you had and, and how that maybe served you. Yeah, you know, it, it, it might um, have come from that. You know, yeah, I was the, the youngest of four. I had three older sisters. Um, so, uh, you know, um, 
you know, it was, uh, it, it was funny, you know, in a way it was kind of like having four moms, <laughs> um, but my parents, um, you know, my dad, um, you know, very, very, very blue collar upbringing. My dad, um, was, um, an auto mechanic. Um, and then he ended up running a, a gasoline station. Um, and then my mom worked at it, worked at a drugstore. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our, our family would, we, you know, we would go on, on, you know, camping vacations kind of up and down the California coastline, um, or, you know, sometimes even into Oregon, Washington, you know, Utah, Montana, Nevada. Um, and so there was this like explore nature. Um, I think just, you know, unique to, unique to my father. Um, and, and, uh, you know, so, so I, I think that that's, that's, um, you know, that, that's a portion of it. You know, I, I, I grew up, you know, doing a lot of, uh, a lot of skiing, um, which, you know, you think of San Diego, but it, it's really not that far away to get up, <laughs> get up to the mountains yeah, go to um, and, and go that. skiing. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then, and then surfing as well. And so just having this, um, this little ex- kind of like this, this mindset where you, you know, you really value, uh, exploring and, and, and seeing different things. So, um, you know, that, that, that might be what, what kind of drives that, that feeling of, uh, of getting a touch uncomfortable, not a lot uncomfortable, just a touch. <laughs> Many thanks to Billy Epler. And Hey, if he likes a good old fashioned adventure, welcome to the jungle. Leaving Anaheim and finding success somewhere else as a GM has been done before. Look at Jerry DePoto. Left the Angels after having issues with their owner, Artie Moreno, and he, he went to Seattle where the Mariners are definitely improving. They missed the playoffs by a game, and a lot of that was Jerry DePoto being given the leeway to make decisions he wanted to make. Just saying. Filling in some blanks on the ex-Angel the Mets have reeled in after this. A reminder, the tickets for the Mets 2022 season at City Field are on sale right now at Mets.com slash tickets. Opening day, Thursday, March 31st. And that homestand continues from there, including two with the World Series champion Atlanta Braves. All right, so some more on Billy Epler. I keep talking about he's a San Diego native, uh, University of San Diego High School, which is now something called Cathedral Catholic. Mark Pryor went there. Barry Zito went there. Carlos Quentin. Uh, famously, Brady Aiken, once it became Cathedral. Uh, he was the number one pick in the draft in 2014. Didn't really work out. For Billy Epler, college at UConn, finance degree in 88 after an arm injury ended his baseball career. He jumped into professional sports, but not in baseball. His first gig was with the then Washington Redskins as an intern in their scouting department. So yeah, he was very first to the table, not in baseball, but in football. But Uh, He was able to get a gig with the Rockies scouting and then the Yankees in 05. They found him. Brian Cashman said, let's restructure things in the scouting department. I want Billy Epler to just get a blank slate and go to town here. Let's rework our scouting department. He did great there. So then he gets to interview for the GM opening for the Angels in 2011. He was one of the finalists, didn't get it. That's the one that went to Jerry DePoto. Meantime, a couple years later, interviews to go to San Diego. The Padres hired A.J. Preller instead. When the Diamondbacks got rid of Kevin Towers, Billy Epler uh, was able to interview there, but he actually said no thank you to that possibility. The Diamondbacks chose Dave Stewart. And after that 2015 season, after Jerry DePoto said goodbye to Anaheim, Billy Epler again interviews with the Angels, and this time the Angels said yes, he got the four-year deal. That's what he gets in New York as well, and he may be promoted, he may be demoted along the way, but he's still going to have a job. And make no mistake, This is a big job. The Mets have made the playoffs just six times in 35 seasons since winning it all in 86. 
The Yankees have made the postseason 23 times since then. The Braves 21, the Cardinals 17, Red Sox and Dodgers 16. You get the picture. Uh, In that period of time, the Mets have won their division three times. They've made the playoffs consecutive years twice, never three years in a row. And you look at the Braves. They've won the past four NL East titles. They just won a World Series. So at the general manager's meetings about a week ago, Sandy Alderson said he expects his role to gradually recede uh, once a GM is hired. He said, I will be available. I won't be omnipresent. And he added, as this person becomes more familiar with the organization, more comfortable, I'd expect my involvement will diminish. I think that's about right. I mean, Sandy was supposed to be the business ops guy right now. He's just been doing this because the Mets need somebody to do this. Now they have somebody very, very competent. A big first thing to do, hiring a manager. Now, Brad Osmus was the only manager Billy ever hired in his four and a half seasons as Angels GM. Because remember, he inherited Mike Sosha. Uh, then Osmus succeeded Sosha. He was fired against Billy's wishes following a bad 2019. The Angels lost their most games in two decades. Tyler Skaggs passed away in July. There was all that. Uh, Artie Moreno, the owner, is a guy that stepped in and fired Brad Osmus. He wanted to recapture a better time in their history. Joe Madden had just become available. Joe had been a model employee with the Angels for 31 years. He was Sosha's bench coach back when they won the World Series in 02. Point is, Brad Osmus could have won 100 games and still might have been gone. But interestingly, before they grabbed Madden, there was an interview process that included Buck Showalter. That's another name you're going to hear. So now that Billy Epler is going to get another chance to recommend a manager, I think it's informative that he thought Osmus did a good job in 2019. Uh, there's a connection there possibly with Sandy Alderson because Osmus is a Dartmouth guy. Uh, Osmus, uh, personally, I, I think he's terrific. Personable, charismatic, good-looking guy. He'd do well as a Met. I really believe that as a front man. Uh, but Buck Showalter's resume is really good too. Also to do here, obviously try and re-sign Stroman, Baez, Loop. Even two of those three would be seen as a win at this point. And from there, see how friendly you can get with Starling Marte and or Chris Bryant. One check mark, I guess, in the points against column for Epler from his time in Anaheim, he didn't find a lot of value among the pitchers that he acquired or signed. Ricky Nolasco, uh, Julio Turan, Julius Chassin, Trevor Cahill, Dylan Bundy, lest we forget Matt Harvey, signed for $11 million there and chipped in an ERA of 7.02. The four-year deal for Zach Cozart is not high up on his resume. But he landed big fish for a guy with deep pockets. Otani, Rendon, resigning Mike Trout. That could be a transferable skill set. Oops, sorry about the word uh, skill set. Meantime, speaking of the Angels, Noah Syndergaard takes his Viking countenance to that franchise where it will be tough to fit a halo around all that hair. From a Mets fan's perspective, there is a well-known picture of a former Mets rotation with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Wheeler, and Mats. DeGrom's the only one left. The, The air has slowly escaped from the balloon. Last time Syndergaard was healthy, it was 2019. He made 32 starts, close to 200 innings, but he had a 4.28 ERA. Syndergaard's best season was 2016. That was a 2.6 ERA, 218 strikeouts. And as we know, when he's healthy, he's one of the game's hardest throwers, one of the scariest starters out there. Only a reliever, Roldis Chapman, has thrown more pitches at 99 miles an hour or faster than Noah Syndergaard in those last several years. Of course, what rubs the Mets fans the wrong way is it was just seven weeks earlier Syndergaard publicly professed his love for the Mets, saying New York has a special place in my heart. He was very confident he'd be pitching here next year. 
A, quali a qualifying offer, he said, was something he'd be extremely grateful for. Well, he got it, and he shopped it a little bit. That's okay. I mean, that's business. $2.6 million more to go guaranteed to Anaheim and pitch in a six-man rotation is what he was sold on. Totally fair to do that. Totally in play. You and I would leave our jobs for a $2.5 million raise, so let's not be naive. Now that Noah is gone, the Mets will receive a compensatory draft pick. Uh, right around the 70th pick is probably going to be. So combined with their existing first three selections, plus the extra pick they got for not signing Kumar Rocker, that gives the Mets five picks in the first 80 or so selections of the upcoming draft. But in the short term, no sugarcoating this, because without Syndergaard, you've got DeGrom coming back. He missed the entire second half. Carlos Carrasco missed four months, then came back and was not himself. Taiwan Walker, terrific in the first half, but a 7.13 ERA in the second half. Tyler McGill faded down the stretch, 6.13 ERA his last 11 starts. David Peterson missed the rest of the year after he underwent surgery on his right foot in July. So although the Mets hope and expect all those guys will be back and contribute more, they're going to need reinforcements. And the most obvious candidate, of course, is Marcus Stroman, the Mets' steadiest starter last year. If he goes elsewhere and saves the Mets a ton of money, Okay, Robbie Ray, Kevin Gossman, Carlos Rodon, Anthony DiSclefani, Alex Wood, that pile, welcome aboard, one or two or three of you. I'd love to be Stroman's agent now. I mean, if Syndergaard can get $21 million after pitching two innings last year, what is Stroman worth after throwing 179? You know what's bizarre? Noah Syndergaard ends his Mets career with 47 wins. Matt Harvey had 34. Does it really feel like Jonathan Neese had more wins as a Met than Thor and Matt Harvey. The uh, signing from an Angels perspective, I get it completely. Uh, that rotation had a 4.8 ERA last year. Uh, they haven't had a winning record since 2015, but they've got that strong core that we talked about. They just need pitching. The Angels had 20 picks in last year's draft. Not real subtle. They drafted 20 pitchers. So, to recap, Mats left the Mets, became better in Toronto. Zach Wheeler left the Mets, became better in Philly. Let's see what Orange County does for Thor, whose blonde hair will look great on the beaches when the surf is up. Syndergaard is going to make Mark Langston look like a Marine out there. A couple other things from this past week. Luis Rojas has a new job. He's a Yankees third base coach, so we'll see him during the Subway Series. I'm sure there'll be a lot of hugs both ways. And the Mets finalized their 40-man roster. They added some guys that they needed to add because otherwise they'd lose them probably in the Rule 5 draft. Mark Vientos and Ronnie Mauricio in the infield. Right-hand pitcher Jose Buto and the breakthrough righty Adam Aller. Among the notable names exposed to the draft, Carlos Cortez and the catcher Hayden Sanger. Two guys you'll meet as part of our minor league spotlight series, which restarts next week. A final reminder, tickets for the Mets 2022 season at City Field on sale now. Go to Mets.com slash tickets. Washington Nationals opening day on March the 31st. Music's up. We gotta go. Let's thank the house band. On keyboards, Andres Torres. Slapping to bass, Kevin Bass. See what I did there? The horn section, Pat Zachary. And kicking out the downbeat on the drums, Skip Lockwood. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you very much. We'll be back next week. Tell you more about what's up. Have a wonderful Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thanksgiving, Friday. Saturday, etc. You guys know what a week looks like. Anyway, bye.